You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Simone Lawrence is doing what he oh, does. I can't believe you said his name. <laughs> Am I allowed to? <laughs> oh, the vitriol on Twitter will be thick. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Curra, joined by Brazilian Ty. And man, you know what's going to be a good day when you have a choice between the two drive through lanes and you pick the one that goes fastest. That happened to me on Friday, and I got to say that just made... My whole day awesome, my weekend awesome, I am now a, a fantasy genius, I'm not a god because I was only top 10, but I am a genius, uh, Like I, I feel like I am just a level above everybody else right now. Next. <laughs> Let's talk week 17. Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. It started with the Hamilton Tiger Cats crushing the Edmonton Eskimos 42 to Wait. 12. <laughs> if you're going to call this crushing... Okay, yeah, that's a good call? point. <laughs> what is the adjective like, for what BC did to Toronto? <laughs> I don't think we can say it. It's a four-letter word, and it starts with S. <laughs> wow, I mean... It ends, it ends with on. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I feel like there's something special going on here with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I... Mm-hmm. I really see this team come November 24th host, hoisting that old beautiful trophy above their heads in Calgary. I know that's getting ahead of ourselves right now, but this team is on an absolute roll. And it just seems that nobody can do much to stop them. They're going to put up numbers regardless week in, week out. And, you know, we both picked them to win the East and represent the Eastern Division in the Grey Cup, but but ultimately lose to Winnipeg. But I don't even think it's a question right now that Hamilton is the best team uh, in the CFL, and that's with a backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it really begs the question, though. What does what does the team do at that position next year? I I know. Mazzoli worked so hard to get to where he was, and it's so unfortunate that. The knee injury derailed his season and mm-hmm. possibly having a starting job in Hamilton anymore. But with what Dane Evans is doing, I wouldn't be shocked if he's their guy next year. Do, do we know the contract situation for both of them? Uh, I, I don't exactly know. I, I feel like Mazzoli maybe had one more year. I'm not sure about Dane Evans, though. Because, I mean... It- it could come down to 
you know, if somebody's going to go into next year with an expiring contract at the end of next season, that they're going to be used as trade bait because there is a team uh, or two now that have shown that, you know, their quarterbacks are not getting the job done. Yeah. And there is an opportunity for, uh, there's going to be three starting jobs uh, open, I would think. Well, I guess two. You can't, because I'm assuming Matt Nichols is going to be healthy enough and stay in Winnipeg. But, I mean, Toronto and Ottawa, I think those those starting jobs are up for grabs. And if that means that Dane Evans or Masoli uh, gets possibly traded there, or if one of them's a free agent, I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to keep both these guys on the roster after Dane Evans has done what he's done in, in Masoli's absence. They actually had a rushing game in this one. They gave Tyrell Sutton 11 carries, mm-hmm. and he... He put 88 yards down, and he also had 23 yards receiving. So they just seem to roll better when they have uh, a running game going. They even got carries to Jackson Bennett, who seems to do well as a change of pace guy because he had Mm -hmm. over nine yards of carry himself. Yeah, four yards, or sorry, four carries, 37 yards. Uh, You know, uh, 14 of those were on one carry, which, I mean, it's good to have those explosive runs. But like you said, change of pace. Uh, and, and to only give him the ball four times, you'd like to see what he could do more, but maybe uh, that average is helped out by the fact that he only gets those four carries, and it's really hard for the defense to adjust when he's, seeing, <coughs> sorry, when he's in there. The Eskimos are kind of oh, the walking wounded right now. They are without their starting <laughs> quarterback, Trevor Harris, and then C.J. Gable, Devon Smith, mm-hmm. and Greg Ellingson all left this game. It's it actually looks like a real possibility that the Lions could catch them at least make it interesting anyway. It it honestly looks like if if we're talking like a uh, minority government in power in Canada, it's like the riders hold the balance of power. <laughs> Because both of these teams have three combined games against the Riders, and if they lose to Calgary on Friday, they're going to want to try to keep pace for first place. Either way, the Riders want Mm -hmm. to win here, so they're not going to be a team that's going to be resting guys, other than their running back, apparently. Not not yet. (laughs) Yeah, not yet. So, tough test for both Edmonton and BC, but... It's enough to make you think about it. I I've already I was talking to Andrew yesterday and I I said hot take, but BC's making the playoffs and I I firmly believe it. Just the turnaround that they've had uh you know since firing Chu and the f- hard fall from grace that Edmonton has sustained uh after losing uh Trevor Harris I mean, I just don't see Edmonton bouncing back. I mean, BC somewhat controls their own destiny this week with a chance to stay alive. If they lose, then it's pretty much over, or yeah. it is over. So, I mean, if they win this week, I, I don't see. Uh, I mean, the, they will. They do play the Riders once, but I mean, uh, I mean, oh, backed into a corner, anything's possible. Yeah, I I could see Edmonton losing out. The problem is BC winning out because 
They've got yeah, three. That, that's Western the harder opponents. of the two things. Yeah, right, I for think sure. so. I, I think that's that's yep. what it is. Uh, as for the Eskimos, I, I don't know if we're going to see Shaq Cooper get a shot against BC, but their offense can't support their defense, and that's what was happening nope. sort of at the beginning of the year. The Eskimo defense was on fire. They, they were really aggressive. They were getting to the quarterback, both with uh, blitzes. They were able to play man-to-man, but now you see Eskimo mm-hmm. fans talking about how Money Hunter – is getting exposed every single game, and he is getting torched. Not only, not only getting beat, but taking penalties. Yeah, yeah, he is. And, I mean, there were moments this season when he was fighting his own team. So mm-hmm. uh, how long – does Jason Moss last after this season, or does it totally nope. depend on what happens in the playoffs? I fire him regardless. <sighs> I've seen some people predicting the coaching carousel and Ottawa could be making changes. Toronto probably is making changes. Edmonton probably making I mean, changes. What What is Ottawa supposed to do when you have John Jennings and Dominique Davis as your quarterback still? How yeah. is that on Rick Campbell? I don't think that's on him. That's on Desjardins all the way. 100%. But then a new GM might want his guy at his coach. own guy. I actually think that Devon Claybrook sort of saved his job with what the Lions have done in the past four weeks here. I think that, yeah, that's pretty safe to say. The coaching cap, I know we've beaten that horse to death, yeah, but the coaching that, cap does help that situation too. There's that to put into uh, consideration too. But Claybrooks has done a great job of keeping this team together, and wins do that too. Mm-hmm. Wins help. I mean, we saw how organically their little dance battle came up at practice. I mean, Shaq Johnson, that that guy's got a future in Dancing with the Stars Canada if that ever happens. But (laughs) there's just such a positive atmosphere in that locker room. And you just Mm -hmm. compare that to Toronto. It's just not there. And even Edmonton, I don't get a sense that there's any positive energy in that locker room at all. Well, I mean, you kind of look at BC, and I find, and and we talked about it with Edmonton as well, that the players start to take the personality of their coach. And Clavon, or sorry, Clavon, Devon Claybrooks to me is very charismatic. You know, he and, is, and yeah. does things his does things his own way. Does not care what you think, and his team is starting to 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 play like that. And, you know, carry that little bit of swagger like he has on the sidelines. Uh, you know, at the start of the year, he looked a little lost. But, I mean, any rookie head coach, I know he's been, yeah. you know, D.C. and all that stuff. But, I mean, you know, running an entire team, that's that's a lot to handle. Uh, so, it, it may be a little overwhelmed to start. Uh, you know, now he's kind of settled down. But you look at with Jason Moss and the undisciplined. And, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve all the time on the sidelines. Stuff like that, and then you look at Corey Chamberlain. He doesn't know what he's doing. His team doesn't look like they know what they're doing. It's, it's just I, I don't know what happened to BC other than them changing O line coaches. But it's see, and you know, uh, the offensive coordinator finally calling quick pass plays to give his offensive line a chance, and that that team has turned everything around. It's like Kelly Bates has a shot at coach yeah. of the year here. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, there's a write-in spot on the ballot. 
There, there was Nothing a says time. it has to be a head coach, does it? <laughs> I, I don't think it actually says head coach, but I mean, we could talk about the Lions when when we we get there. This Ticats defense, yeah. that's a unit that is fun to watch. Uh, Richard Leonard oh. had two interceptions here, one for a touchdown. Delvin Bro makes his return. He has himself a touchdown. And I mean... Simone Lawrence is doing what he oh, does. Oh, I can't believe you said his name. <laughs> Am I allowed to? <laughs> oh, the vitriol on Twitter will be thick. Man, he fierce. is all over the field. Yep. All over. He had five tackles in this one and one for a loss. I mean, he that, is playing. That's it? I, well, that's that's what the stat sheet took, says. <laughs> took a night off. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's usually, you know, a quarter for Simone Lawrence. But, mm-hmm. man, he's playing the best football of his career. I, I know that fans aren't going to want to hear that, but that, that's yeah. what's happening right now in Hamilton. He's fired up, and I, I feel like he and his team are using this controversy surrounding him sort of as fuel. And I think what I like about some of these Ticats players, even a guy like Brandon Banks, they had the 99 team there today. Orlando Steinauer was a part of that team too. Um, they're able to look at that and say, you know what? This city loves football and they're mm-hmm. really fired up for us right now. And they're really rallying together. And uh, I, I know it's easy to write off the, crossover team but i wouldn't want to be a crossover team going to montreal that eastern final between montreal and hamilton (laughs) that is going to be awesome to watch that that oh that's gonna be so much fun if it works out that way Um, but like you said like hamilton i mean they have junior hockey but you always kind of see it as second fiddle to toronto and i i don't I don't want people to start yelling at me on Twitter, but like when you talk about when you talk about Hamilton, I mean it's just like oh yeah, it's like just outside of Toronto, whatever, right? This is the way everybody sees it. Uh, but I mean, the Thai Cats are just such a huge part of that community, and like you said, they're so fire the the crowds and and the the uh, environment around the team right now is just so electric, and you know especially for home games that just fires them up, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And then you look at a, at a player like Simone Lawrence, who I equate to Kenny Linsman. And when you go on the road, you know the fans at the, in the opposing stadium hate this guy. Yeah. To a point where, you know, it gets the fans off their game a little bit, where they're just going to focus in on one guy. And, and 100% the team's going to use that as fuel. You know, all the hatred that's going to be thrown at them because of Simone Lawrence. And, and you know, Brad Marchand's the same way. Uh, you yep. know Chase Utley in Major League Baseball. The Mets hate Chase Utley. Like it, if 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 one player is going to affect that much change uh, on a roster, the whole team uh, is going to feel that boost. Uh, you know, just from the added energy that it brings uh, to that one player is just felt through the whole team. Dane Evans, 24 of 32 for 277 and two touchdowns. Brandon Banks was the leading receiver, eight catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Acklin had a touchdown himself. Uh, Marcus Tucker, four for 44. Braylon Addison, five for 53. They're just so balanced and they just spread the ball around. It's pretty tough to handle that offense. Well, and 
usually you have like one or two threats and you have the DBs to take care of that with a little bit of safety help. But when you can go to Marcus Tucker, Acklin, Addison Banks, God forbid Luke Tasker ever gets healthy and gets back in this lineup. Yeah. Like I, there's just, you run out of options on the defensive side of the ball to the point where you literally have an optimal matchup on every down. If, if, if the, if, if you run plays for a specific guy, you can make that happen. And that's what they're doing right now. And Dane Evans is finding guys and you know, it, let's not forget his old line and, and Hank Burris brought it up in the panel. Chris Van Zyl. Oh yeah. Is playing out of his, out of the, out of his mind this year on that offensive line, which I mean, that offensive line in Hamilton right now is, is something to watch. Like, I mean, they are giving Evans lots of time and, and make, letting him make plays and, all he has to do is just get the hand, get the ball in the hands of of his playmakers. He's it's not like he has to. He just has to play game manager. And I know it's it's weird because they they can stretch the field and all this stuff. But he just has to put his guys in spots where they can succeed, and the team will succeed that way. It's not like he has to carry the team. He's got enough help around him where it's just make just get them the ball as much as you can. And that's all he needs to do. He doesn't have to rush for 90 yards like Strebler does because he can't throw the ball. The Cats averaged seven and a half yards on first down. Well, the Eskimos averaged four. That tells you a Oof. big story of how their offense is clicking right now. Logan Kilgore, mm-hmm. 23 of 32 for 233. He did have a touchdown, but the three interceptions... Uh, once you have oh, that, yeah, you, you you, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. The leading receiver, Ricky Collins, four for 53. I mean, DeVaris Daniels only had 33 yards. Greg Ellingson, Ellingson 40 before he left the game. But if they're without Ellingson, uh, Gable, and Smith next week, it's going to be a tall order, a Thanksgiving weekend matchup with the BC Lions who are on a roll. The Eskimos need to find something to fire them up in a hurry. Probably wishing they didn't trade Kenny Stafford right about now. Yeah, that would be. I mean, he's not even get played in Saskatchewan because I mean yeah. Jordan Williams Lambert comes back and uh, Arsenal's ahead of him in the pecking order too. So it's. I mean, Christian Jones has been valuable to the return game for the Eskimos. That's about the only. Mm-hmm positive thing for the Eskimos right now because they even gave away another football field in penalties uh, 10 for 108 so special teams being the only positive in Edmonton I think fans would probably rather switch the to what it used to be with good offense defense and poor special yeah. teams <laughs> but at the same time you don't have Mike Riley to drive 95 yards down the field yeah there's that there's that. So Trevor Harris thinks he'll get back before the six games up, and I think uh, one empire really wants that to happen too. Let's go to Montreal, where the Alouettes get by the Calgary Stampeders, twenty-one seventeen. Can I just say that that was the best atmosphere I've seen at a Montreal football game in a long, long time. There was near the end of the game when it was dark out and the fans just turned all the flashlights on their phones. I guess it just happened organically. I mean, if this team has a night game, which they probably don't for the rest of the season, and I know the playoffs happen in the afternoon, but I feel like 
this team comes out at night. They turn the lights off and let the fans light up the stadium. Man, this has to give teams like BC and even Toronto some hope. You put an exciting winning team on the field, and look what happened at Percival Molson. It's a fun team to watch right now. I don't know why I would give Toronto any hope. Well, when's the last time Toronto has actually strung together some nice winning seasons um, I mean, when they won the Grey Cup, it was nine and nine, and then yeah. the next week they next year they win four games. They never really have uh, no strung together really nice seasons in Toronto. But I mean, if Montreal, a big you know cultural diverse city, if they can do it, I think other major cities in this country can. Oh, one hundred percent. If if they can actually put a team on the field, yeah, exactly. In Toronto, that's what then I mean. we would get this. Yes, one hundred percent. I I totally agree with that. But I was just making the joke that I I don't see why Toronto would have any hope when they can't even get out of their own way. But I mean, the atmosphere came through on the radio. I was at work. The TV, it sounded at, great. <laughs> yeah, like and and the the play by play guys were into it, and you know it felt like an East final. Or you know, or or, or East semi like because it was Calgary like a crossover like it just it had that playoff feel just the energy that you could hear like the crowd never really settled right after Montreal got going in that second half it just kept building and building and you know it another comeback win I mean the this team this season I mean they there's just no quit. Well, the biggest addition to the roster this week was Mario Alford returning kicks, and that was the difference Mm -hmm. in the game. He had an 85-yard punt return for a touchdown, and any time you give up a special teams touchdown, that is just free points to your total. And the, the Stampeders, for some reason, have struggled in Montreal over the past you know, decade and a half. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was no different. But you can't blame Bo Mitchell for this one. 31 of 43 for 464 yards. Bo did his job. You have to look at the fumbles from Eric Rogers, Josh Huff, and Reggie Bagleton. The fact that the Stampeders only lost by four in this one just completely blows my mind because the Owls offense, they didn't do anything. (laughs) <laughs> their net no, offense fair. was 293 and the stampeders were close to 550 yards if they didn't turn the ball over this is calgary's game but that's how it goes you can't make those stupid mistakes and montreal's defense took advantage of it well and i mean calgary is such a good team and they've played with the lead so much in the last six years seven years basically since since this, I guess we can call it a dynasty. Since since they won the Grey Cup Montreal, I, I guess that was 08. So let's call it 11 years. I mean, yeah. this team has been the class of the CFL. They've played from ahead so much. Ball security has been ingrained in these guys' heads for so long. It lost them a Grey sure Cup in, in Ottawa. Week in and week out. And that's what, yeah. It's the Grey Cup in, in Ottawa that they lost was poor ball security. I know the conditions were crap. Yep. Two hands on the football. You know, you got... Guys throwing teammates under the bus in the post game. This, I mean, you cannot get shut out in the second half and expect to win football games. Secure the football, make plays, and, and, and you'll be able to score some points. Literally, you know, they needed two field goals and they would have won this game. And they got nothing in the second half. Nothing. 
Yeah, they were up 17-10 at halftime, and all the Owls had to do was put up 11 points uh, to, to win this game. And, yeah, a special teams touchdown and three fumbles that were lost because mm-hmm. the Owls couldn't even take advantage of those fumbles in the first half. It was just enough for them to hang around, not allow Calgary to score any more points. and just well, You can't the- turn the ball over. You can't lose the turnover battle uh, for nothing. Like, I'm not counting yeah. turnovers on downs. You can't right. lose it for nothing and expect to win a football game. Um, the Calgary offense made a lot of people happy when it came to fantasy. Josh Huff was a very popular pick this week mm-hmm. with Markeith Ambles uh, having surgery being done for the year. Josh Huff is going to be a factor for the rest of the year. And I know there are a lot of options in the Calgary receiving core that Bo likes to utilize, but Huff is going to be... He's probably going to go up by a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars after this game. Yeah. But nine catches on twelve targets, one hundred and forty-nine yards, and a touchdown. The fumble will cost you. But Reggie Bagleton also had nine for ninety-eight and a fumble. Eric Rogers had six for eighty-two and a fumble. But Herji Mayala, the draft pick from this year, three for one sixteen. Bo had a lot of big games from his receivers. I can't mm-hmm. really blame him for what happened here. <laughs> no, and I mean, you look at those fantasy points. So Josh Hoff at 29.9, that's huge. Oh, yeah. Uh, Reggie Bagleton, a modest 18.8. Hergie Mayala, 14.6. You know, we talk about the ball security and all that stuff. It's not going to affect you in fantasy. The only thing it does is take away the ball from your offense because you don't get deducted points for lost fumbles, which I always thought was weird because you do in every other fantasy football game. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, so it hurts It hurts that way because, I mean, it takes the offense off the field. But, I mean, Josh Huff, like these these young guys come in and, and start producing like this, I mean, it. I'm not saying it makes it easy for, you know, the Stamps to be missing a guy like Mark Keith Ambles or Juwan Breskison, but it lessens the blow a little bit when you have people that can fill in like this. Uh, and the thing that sucks is when all these guys get back, if they keep their jobs, there's going to be guys on the practice roster. I don't know how long they'll be there. Because other teams are going to have – other teams will have right – can get them. So, I mean, Calgary is going to have some work to do to keep these guys – to keep the depth. But I, I just don't know how they do it. Don Jackson had himself a touchdown in the first quarter to help save mm-hmm. his fantasy day. 12 carries for 58 yards. William Stanback made the plays he had to make. Uh, 14 carries for 61. Vernon Adams Jr. had 206 yards passing, but not turning the ball over was really, really big for him. And there was not much going on in the passing game for the Alouettes. Eugene Lewis had 86 yards. Quan Bray has a rebound game for 45 yards on six catches, but I think the story is probably the Alouette defense from Bob Slowick, who at the beginning of the year, this team kind of looked lost on defense, but mm-hmm. Henoch Muamba has a forced fumble, three tackles. Bo Lacombo had nine tackles on defense, a special teams tackle and a forced fumble. A lot of that is because the team was giving up catches, so the safety had to really bail them out, but John Bowman at his age has another quarterback sack in the fourth quarter I believe this one was uh, two tackles as well this guy is one of the best I know he was he said he was 98% sure he was going to retire at the end of last year man he has to be so happy he came back for one more ride and who knows he might have another year after this (laughs) I think 
let's say Montreal wins the Great Cup, I think he retires. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's nothing like going out on top, right? Uh, but, I mean, to come back and have a team around you that's playing like this right now, uh, you know, you're going back to the playoffs, especially after the last couple of years they've had in Montreal where it was like, oh, man, Bowman coming back. How, like, yeah, he's a great player. It's, it's so fun to watch. It just you, you want to see him have one more kick at the can here uh, before he retires, and he's going to get it now. Uh, but like you, like you said, just so happy that he's able to come back and, and the team has turned it around like this. Uh, from last year is just something to watch, and he's a, been a huge part of it on that defensive line. And I mean, last week uh, was his first interception in the regular season. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so like he's still he's still getting firsts. Yeah, yeah. At his age, and, and you know the amount of time that he's spent in this league, it's just it's just crazy. Oh, the Calgary Stampeders had nine point two yards on first down. <laughs> they. Okay. They were moving the ball. They just couldn't finish. Yep. <laughs> well, and you, and you said, and you mentioned how you know Vernon Adams Jr. didn't really have the best, like the passing game wasn't really there. But I think we knew that was going to be an issue yeah, coming in yeah. with the secondary that Calgary has. But I mean, Stanback did what he had to do. They had, the, you know, the turnovers. They were able, and that you're taking the ball out of Calgary's hands. Like they're giving you the football, you take it, and it just. They gut it out a win, and it's weird to say that at home. Uh, but when it's Calgary, it, it, you gut it out a win, especially to hold to shut them out in the second half is just phenomenal. Calgary also took twelve penalties for one hundred and six yards. <laughs> if I told you at the beginning of this season, and I know you said, "Hey, Montreal's going to have a home playoff game," I don't know if that included that they would sweep the Calgary Stampeders. <laughs> Oh, isn't that wild that the Alouettes swept Calgary? And I'm, it's really hard not to rally around this team. Um, I, I think they really need to back the truck up to Kahari Jones right now because where it is, he it, his contract ends at the end of the season. This dude gets fired up like he's still on the field. When the music is playing at the end of the game, mm-hmm. he is dancing. He's jumping up and down. Man, they're fun to watch both on and off the field. Uh, it, it's 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 fun to be excited about the Owls again. And, you know, as Ryder fans, I never thought we'd say that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I want this team to win so bad and to and for Saskatchewan to make it to the Great Cup, Montreal will make it to the Great Cup and just get complete redemption. Ooh, that would be that would be something to watch. Or, or you know, we go to Calgary, Montreal wins like by twenty and we just drown our sorrows in the hotel after. Uh, I remember <laughs> uh, man, that that. Two thousand nine. You sat through that. It was like minus forty outside. That two thousand nine Grey Cup. I (laughs) I remember just going to a McDonald's in Airdrie, and I don't remember anything after that. And it's not because I drank anything. I was just emotional blackout. I got home that night. I had to drive to Cold Lake, about a four and a half hour drive or something. No, it's more than that. It's probably six, six and a half hours. Went to work the next morning. I don't know how I got to work. Oh, man. If that happens Just on again, autopilot. this is going to be rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, if it if Saskatchewan makes it the Grey Cup and they're down by 14 at halftime, you won't see me. <laughs> You're gone. <laughs> I'll be... I'll be... I'll be crushed somewhere. 
<laughs> two and out this week is brought to you by ATB Financial, and hockey is a team effort. And ATB wants to be a part of your team. From Tom Thumb and Pee Wee all the way up to the pros, ATB helps sponsor teams across Alberta. So whether you're on the ice or on the bleachers, ATB can all help make hockey possible. Want a bank that doesn't keep you on the bench? ATB is a proud supporter of hockey across, across Alberta. From grassroots to pro, ATB helps teams across the provinces and the countless volunteers that help make community hockey possible. Hockey season is back. I know Brazilian Ty, he's already had that uh, uh, parade planned down Jasper Ave, right? That's pretty fair to say, yeah. <laughs> Until, but, no, but now... After Saturday night's game against the Kings, I'm like, so this is what it felt like to be a Flames fan last year. Hey, Mike Smith, stay in your freaking net. <laughs> God. Let's go to the last game of the week, because I don't know if we can call the actual last game of the week the last game of the week. Uh, oh. <laughs> the, the Bombers <laughs> the bombers go to Regina and put up six oh, points. They lose 21-6. to six. Oh, and you know what? I knew this one was going to be a slugfest. Uh, if I was betting, I would have taken the under, and uh, I probably would have won by a lot if I took the under in this one. Uh, let's just go through Winnipeg's drive chart. Punt, punt, punt. Oh, punt, I love punt, when we punt. do this. Field goal, punt, fumble, punt, interception, field goal, interception, turnover on downs, end of the game. Um, Chris Trevler, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, you remember after last year, not only were Bomber fans excited about Chris Strebler. We we were a little excited. But I think fans of the rest of the teams need to, mm. need to eat a little bit of crow here too. Because I think at one point last year, the most popular quarterback in Saskatchewan was Chris Strebler. <laughs> That's fair. Other than James Franklin. Well, there was James Franklin, <laughs> Chris Strebler. That was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago it was James Franklin. Last year it was Chris Strebler. And when you force him to pass, he can't beat you. At least he hasn't proven Who are we that. talking about here, James Franklin or Chris Strebler? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh, Strebler carried the ball 12 times, but they limited him to 48 yards. And when you force him to pass, mm -hmm. this is what, this is not what good. happens. 26 of 40, 254, and two interceptions. And the Riders probably dropped another three interceptions. I can think. Yeah, lots of push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, the defense probably could have made this game even tougher on mm -hmm. uh, Winnipeg to come back in this one. But, I mean, when you when you limit Chris Strebler running, you end up sort of limiting Andrew Harris, too, because he looked good. He looked explosive when he had the ball. He had 11 carries for 67 yards. I mean, ideally, you probably want to get Harris 18 to 20 carries, but they just couldn't get him going because the offense was just spinning their tires nonstop. Uh, mm -hmm. it, he must have missed a cycle or something. <laughs> but it's a free fall for Winnipeg right now. Yep. Much, much like Edmonton, they need to figure stuff out fast. I mean, trade deadline is 
this week. The ninth, is it not? Yes, it is. It's on Wednesday. And I am tired of Mike Shea looking us in the eye and lying to us and saying that the situation is fine. You need a quarterback. You can't you can't start comebacks with Chris Trevor because you can't throw the ball. And you can't expect Andrew Harris to rush for nine yards a carry to keep you in ball games. I mean you're down once they were down uh you know eleven to three, it was pretty much lights out because all he had to do was make Chris Trevor run. Like or or I mean take away the run and make him pass and you were pretty safe. Like how how do you expect to win football games if you can't pass the ball uh efficiently? Like I know you gotta have a run game, but I mean the passing game is just as important and they I I wouldn't trust Chris Trevler to pass me peas across the table. The bombers need to get up in games fast or And and hope the defense holds on. Yeah. Or well, that way they can run the ball down your throat and that too uh, as well, yeah. P- pound the pound the rock a little bit here, but once they get behind, they 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 just have no means of really catching yep. up here. But if you just look at what Winnipeg did in the Montreal game a few weeks ago in the first half, walked all over the Alouettes. Since mm-hmm. then, it's been ten quarters. They have one touchdown. <laughs> and I think that's going to be the turning point of their season is that halftime. That's that's exactly what it is right now. Halftime of the Montreal game is when the wheels fell off. Je- Jekyll and Hyde. Because Strebler in the Banjo Bowl and the first half of that Montreal game, he mm-hmm. was running wild. But yeah. somewhere... And there was no answer for him. Somewhere they figured it out. And they Hamilton handled it. Saskatchewan handled it handled it handled it here. So I don't know if Lapalise has something up his sleeve. I don't think they're gonna make a trade for a quarterback. I, I think if there's any quarterback that comes in, it's going to be Kevin Glenn, and I think since he said no, it's not gonna be him because <laughs> You don't think they go after McLeod Bethel Thompson so they can throw for four hundred yards a game and still lose, but it'll look better. <laughs> I don't know if he can come in and figure out the playbook fast enough. No, yeah, that's a big ask this late in the year for sure. I I feel like if they were going to do it, they would have done it as soon as Nichols got hurt. Yeah. Because... And then, you know, you you can have a Strivler start two or three games while, you know, the guy you brought in gets accustomed to your audibles, to your your playbook, to your... uh, the language terminology within and the playbook and you know you have that little bit of time where it's almost like a mini training camp for him for three weeks and then he can become your starter when you know this was inevitably about to happen well this weekend it's the rematch uh montreal and winnipeg which was really interesting the, the two the teams when these two teams played mm-hmm. last week you're not going to trade for a guy and he's not going to start in three days could he be ready for calgary next weekend I don't know, but after this Montreal game, they have a home and home with Calgary. It's like Winnipeg could lose out. They actually could. When you look at it right now, the Bombers might not win again this season. And considering how it started, it's crazy. It's crazy how the season has just sort of unraveled for them. They could wake up against Montreal. I'm not gonna 
write them off there. They, they need to get the running game going with Strebler, and if they get off to a fast start, they could be off to the races uh, again here. But, I mean, you're going to put McLeod Bethel-Thompson there and have him ready to start a home-and-home home with Calgary? I, I Or even just start him in the playoffs in Regina? I I think they're yeah, just it's gonna, a t- it's a tough sell now. Yeah, it is. I, I think they're just going to roll with Strevler the rest of the year and hope for the best. That Lose means, the West Semi. Yeah, uh, the exact opposite of what happened last year because uh, Cody mm-hmm. Fajardo's playing in playoff atmosphere right now. There's an inexperienced quarterback behind center in Saskatchewan uh, who's going to need to really figure it out really quickly because they're going to – uh, a first place showdown with the Calgary Stampeders, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna be—it's not gonna get e- any easier from here on out. Did you know that his wife was at the game? Uh, no, uh, was that the lady that they mm. were focused on? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I thought it was a bit weird that. Uh, My <laughs> God, TSN, we get it. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised they didn't go picture in picture. I know, picture in picture with her. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have complained, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you know another but, thing I noticed in this look- game? And I, I know that Richie Hall wasn't there. He's got personal issues to deal with right now. But Willie Jefferson did nothing. Mm-hmm. He's not on the stat sheet. He did draw a holding call. But the rider tackles really handled Willie Jefferson here, and that's a guy that can take over a game. I was talking to you about no football on Thanksgiving. We'll talk about that in the next episode. But last year on Thanksgiving, he single-handedly won a game against Edmonton while a member of the Riders. But nothing was done from Willie Jefferson here, and (laughs) that is something that's really surprising. that's such a huge piece because if you if your tackle can handle Willie Jefferson on the outside, it allows you to double Nevis on the inside. Oh yeah. Which I mean, if you're if you're uh, neutralizing those two threats on the defensive line, your quarterback's going to have ample opportunity uh, in the pocket to get rid of that football and find somebody downfield. It's not like Cody Fajardo lit it up in this game, but nope. he protected the ball. That was big. Um, 18 of 28, 299, but I mean, that's about as good as you can expect against the, uh, the bomber defense, but Shaq Evans, 193 yards, seven catches, a touchdown. They, they keep saying it every single time that the riders play, but that slant pattern he runs, I don't know if you can defend that. (laughs) No, you can't. It's impossible. The, the the rules don't allow you to. That there's that, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're not going to bump this guy at the line and they're going to run that, you're screwed. Yeah, that's what you have to Forget do it. to have a chance. And I mean, we saw it in Hockey Night in Canada last night. Connor McDavid got up to forty kilometers an hour <laughs> at one point to get around a defenseman. Forty kil- on what? And <laughs> Elliot Freeman says, "What do you do with that?" And Kelly Rudy responds with, "Chase him." <laughs> And that's Shaq Evans running a slant. <laughs> what do you do? You chase him and yeah. hope for the best. Uh, Jordan Williams-Lambert made his first game back with the team, only had a catch for 12 yards. Naaman Roosevelt had some tough catches. 
He he seems mm-hmm. to be the guy that they look to to just leave him out to dry. You're going to get crushed, Naaman, but here you go. Uh, five for 58 from him. And, I mean, the Ryder defense just handled Winnipeg. That's that's all there is His, to this game. Naaman Roosevelt's receptions belong on the suicide pass segment of they, Rock'em Sock'em videotapes. It seems like every single one of his catches. <laughs> right? They're just sueys. <laughs> oh, it's just ridiculous. leaving them out to dry. <laughs> and Cameron Judge, that guy's an interesting guy. I saw his interview after the <laughs> after the oh, half. <laughs> his sack, though, on, on Strevler, like, that, that was, was huge. an absolute like he crushed him. That's how you have to hit him because he's a tank. That, <laughs> and it, that, and if you do anything else, you're like you can't land on him. You yeah. can't you can't hit him high. You can't hit him low. I mean, you go shoulder to shoulder and knock him on his ass. I mean, and th- those those don't feel great. Nope. <laughs> uh, if you're if you're Chris Traveler, so I mean, and that and those those that defense was fired up all night. Uh, I think they knew they had an opportunity. Well, or they did know, uh, you know, since Calgary had lost to Montreal, they knew they had an opportunity to get first place, and and they they rallied around that and and played a hell of a game on the defensive side of the ball. I actually think the turning point for the Ryder defense this year was when they took Solomon Means off and put L.J. McRae in. That guy has been an mm-hmm. impact player. He was an impact player in this game. He had an interception along with Ed Ganey. I mean, if he's not throwing yep. punches and getting into fights, L.J. McRae is a very valuable player on this Ryder D. And he he lit up Darvin Adams. Yeah, and I mean, he did. There was seven. There were seven players on the defense that that were that were running towards him. And I mean, just the camaraderie and, and yeah, like you said, he's an impact player in more ways than one. He makes plays like that. Like, like you said, with the interception and stuff like that, but like the impact that he lays on other guys, like he can hit and he is not afraid to hit, uh, you know, when, then when it gets to this time of the year, you got to be willing to stand in there and take a little bit of a beating on the defense because I mean, especially, you know, guys like, uh, John White, who we saw, in the game after, well, quote unquote game, or Andrew Harris in this one, guys like that that will run right at somebody. And I mean, McCray hasn't backed down from anybody yet, and I don't foresee that happening. All right, let's talk about whatever happened in the final leg of that triple header with the BC Lions walking all over the Toronto Argonauts 55 to 8. And that touchdown that Toronto scored was with. Six seconds left, <laughs> and 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 the one touchdown for Burnham shouldn't have counted. But I think it should have. If you but. look, no, because he he didn't even he wasn't touching the ball. Yeah, when when I look at it in full speed, it looked like uh, that when the right foot initially touched, he had the ball, and then when you slow it down, it gets all messed up. But they called it a touchdown, yeah. and I think that's why it stayed. Um. So Toronto, in their first three drives of the game, ran four plays. <laughs> first play of the game for B or for Toronto interception. Second play of from scrimmage for Toronto, James Walder Jr. fumbles the ball. <laughs> Third and fourth play, they just give it to Chris Rainey, get nine yards, and Ronnie Pfeffer punts it away. 
<laughs> like, um, what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, Glenn Suter and Milt Stiegel both said this is probably the worst football game they've ever seen from a, a professional team. And this is a team that lost 64 to 14 to Hamilton earlier in the season. And this one was somehow worse. They had 16 yards of offense in the first quarter. <laughs> or was that the first half? No, because, yeah, it was the first half. Because you know what they had in the first quarter? Nine. <laughs> they had the ball for two minutes and 36 seconds in the first quarter. Oh, man. If If you actually look <laughs> at the... Time of possession, the BC Lions had it for 43 minutes and 22 seconds. The mm -hmm. the Argos for 16.38. I don't know if I've ever seen, and I'm not even kidding here, time of possession that low. <laughs> I actually don't think that's happened. <laughs> James Franklin comes out of the dressing room in the second to start the second half, does the interview with Farhan Lalji with a smile on his face. I was actually going to ask nothing. you, did that bother you? That is infuriating. What do you have to smile about? You have just quarterbacked the worst half of football I have ever watched. And I watched the Lloyd Comp Barons beat up on a team 80 to nothing in high school. <laughs> and this was worse. You get paid to play football. Be better. Have some self-respect because that was embarrassing. That that smiling interview, and I know he's a smiling guy with a you know a happy demeanor. That has to be the end nope. of him in Toronto. That like I'm he, sorry, but why he would needed to come out like he needed to come out like Cavis Reed? Yeah, seething. You went nine. You went six for nine for thirty-two yards and a pick. How are you smiling? What about that makes you want to smile? I get it. You're playing. I get it. You're playing a game, but what about that is fun to you? They actually ran thirty offensive plays. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Twenty-three pass 23 attempts pass and seven carries. And seven. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, and let let's not forget the let's not forget the Chris Rainey reverse. <laughs> oh yeah, on the uh, on the kick return, the Lions had thirty first downs. <laughs> I, I mean, does that does that tell you what you need to know about this game? I'm surprised Corey Chamberlain had a job after the first quarter. Hi, no kidding, no kidding. I want to know how your head coach doesn't wear a headset. How is he communicating with everybody? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know why your head coach has won, what, two games in his last 30? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's not worth going through the stats for the Argos at all. Um, I'll say Armani it, Edwards. It kind of is. It kind of is for one reason. What? McLeod Bethel Thompson 
was 7.8 points and he threw for 94 yards and he was the better quarterback. Yeah, and he played for what, two drives? Yeah. <laughs> but there's James Franklin smiling like nothing's wrong. Yep. Uh, I'm just going to fire through the Lions stats here. John White had 20 carries, 121 yards. <laughs> the Lions actually tried to slow it down. Um, <laughs> they were killing as much clock as they possibly could. Um, Brian Burnham, eight catches for 145 yards. He had a hat trick. Shaq Johnson had a beautiful 21-yard touchdown catch. Deron Carter, mm-hmm. seven catches for 90 yards, a touchdown. Um, Took this- him out of my lineup. This is the receiving core and the offense we thought that we would see from the Mm -hmm. Lions at the beginning of the year, but they do lose Lamar Durant, who left the game with a foot injury. They lost Javon Katoy last week, a Canadian receiver as well. So we might see some issues with the the Canadians over Mm -hmm. the next few weeks here because they have started Canadian receivers uh, all season long. Those are two big losses. For the Lions here, and they're really just kind of holding Mike Riley together with a Band-Aid right now. I guess he's been uh, had a chest cold the last few weeks he can't get rid of. He's got back issues. They they literally put extra I cushions. Won- I wonder why. <laughs> extra cushions for him on the bench so he has cushions to sit on. All these sacks like are drive. really adding up for him right now. He threw for five touchdowns the first time he ever did that in his career and I'm mad because Danny O'Brien poached him for two touchdowns. Riley could have had a 50 point night. <laughs> but this is this is exactly the game Mike Riley needed because yeah. you know Danny O'Brien was able to go in there and take some beating uh, you know and Mike Riley was able to preserve himself a little bit yeah, uh, and like, when you're up thirty-four nothing at halftime, they probably could have sat Mike Riley for that entire second half. Um, what do Chris Strebler, Logan Kilgore, and McLeod Bethel Thompson have in common this week, other than the fact they all lost football games? And I guess you can throw James Franklin in there too. What do they have in common? I don't know. Yeah, Daniel O'Brien outscored them <laughs> fantasy wise because of the two rushing TDs. Yeah. He was the sixth highest scoring quarterback this week. Okay, we'll be back to talk about fantasy after this. (laughs) If you're an Albertan, chances are you love our forests. With more than 60% of the province covered in them, they're where we play, explore, and work. Over 40,000 Albertans are employed because of our sustainable forestry industry. And before a single tree is harvested, we plan 200 years ahead to ensure healthy forests for years to come. Why? Because you nurture what you love. Learn more at loveabforests.ca. All right. uh, I had (laughs) a a monster of a week. I'm just going to say that. I actually had more points than the week that I got first on, but there were uh, other guys that are actually fantasy geniuses as well. So, And I am not one of them. <laughs> and I had a Canadian, so I had a win in the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge over BB Can Ryan from Horseman Radio. You, how did you fare, buddy? Under 70 points. Um, took Deron Carter out of my lineup. 
tried to make some changes, had to go no defense because, you know, I didn't make changes until after the kickoff in Montreal. So I basically just screwed myself out of points. I wouldn't have won anyway, uh, but that's not the point. Yeah, Ryan from Ryan from Canadian Football Countdown had himself a heck of a week as well at 132 point nine points. My lineup had Mike Riley 32, Don Jackson 11.8, Tyrell Sutton 14.1, Brian Burnham 40.5, Josh Huff 29.9, Marcus Tucker 10.4, and the Lions defense 13. They actually had 18 until that final McLeod Bethel Thompson drive. So screw mm-hmm. you, uh, MBT. Who were the top performers in fantasy this week, Ty? Well, I don't think there's any surprise that Mike Riley. Uh, tops quarterbacks with 32, Dane Evans at 21.3, Cody Fajardo at 20.7. Like I said, Daniel O'Brien was still sixth, which is ridiculous. He wasn't, he didn't even, he didn't have any like s- substantial playing time. But I mean, the two touchdowns at the goal line there really boosted his numbers. As for receivers, Brian Burnham, 40.5, Shaq Evans, 32.3, Josh Huff, 22. Point, or 29.9, Brandon Banks, 22.1, Duron Carter, 22. Uh, and then it's, I mean, not a big week for, for running backs. I mean, it was John White slow was your week. leader at 14.6. Uh, Tyrell Sutton at 14.1. And CJ Gable, even though he left with injury, was was still 13.7. So, uh, And then Don Jackson stuck in there at 11.8. Uh, so, I mean, Andrew Harris didn't really do much either uh, when it comes fantasy-wise. But, yeah, I mean, Burnham, Burnham and Evans, like, I mean, you had any one of those top three guys, you had a chance to have a really good week if it was Burnham, Evans, or Huff. Did you go four and zero and pick him? I did. Nicely done. I ended up going uh, three and one. I couldn't pick against the Stampeders, but shows what I know, doesn't it? That or I just have blind faith in the Owls right now. <laughs> You're picking them the whole way. I know you are. <laughs> well, one hundred percent. Oh right. man, it's like it's like Julie the cat. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta ride the goalie while while they're hot, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we have about a week and a half left to get your orders in for two and out uh, t-shirts, raising money for CFL fans fight cancer, right? Ty, how do we uh, get those orders in? Uh, you can get them to us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Messenger, or you can even just post uh, on our. Uh, I guess podcast page, and and we'll we'll get in touch that way. Uh, you can try Instagram. I. We we should probably start checking that uh, a little more, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I, I you're the Instagram manager, man. I'm uh, not young and hip enough for that. Oh yeah, because I you know <laughs> I make more noises crawling into bed than <laughs> doing my yoga workout. It's a lot of dad noises, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> what what we'll need is uh, if you want just the plain black one or if you want the team color, we have mock-ups for all those. Give us your size and give us your email address so we can add you to a list because once we get this all kind of finalized and, and we have all of our orders in, I want to send out uh, one big email or I might even send out one here this week. Just And it's just easier for me to get hold of everybody than having to go through each conversation individually. Uh, and we can get we'll get those ordered and, and have them in time for Grey Cup. Two and Out Live is coming up November 21st at Booker's Barbecue Grill and Crab Shack. Uh, we're raising money for CFL fans fight cancer there as well. Your $15 ticket includes uh, your first drink at Booker's as well. So it pretty much pays for itself. Go to twoandout.ca. 
click uh, the top link there, Two and Out Live, Cowtown, and lock up your tickets because there's like, seriously, like five left or something like that. So if you think you're going to be in Calgary for the Grey Cup, buy your tickets for Two and Out Live at twoandout.ca. Leave us a rating, a review, a subscription in your favorite pod catcher, and uh, we will talk to you again on Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.